that, turn that knob, twist that knob, flip that switch, move that. Okay. <clears throat> you ready? <clears throat> Hang on. <clears throat> just drink that a little fast. <clears throat> <laughs> Start off the podcast with me just coughing into the mic for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll be like, show's over, folks. Go home. Dude, uh, actually, funny story. Uh, I got tested for COVID today. And you have to take... So the previous or the original imagery of like taking a long cotton swab and sticking it far back the nose to the point where it's like right down the throat, basically. Um, I'm not sure if that was ever accurate or not, but apparently uh, they say that it's not as far back and what they use today is even further up front than it was uh, previously. Uh, but essentially, no, it had me coughing for like uh, uh, five minutes and teary-eyed with my nose <laughs> feeling like it's been tickled by 30 feathers. It was it, it was weird. Um, yeah, just before um, COVID came to the States, I actually had uh, the like just the regular flu. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, they also shoved a swab up my nose and... Man, that is not a pleasant feeling. Oh, not at all. Uh, and afterwards, they were like, you know, you got to do a mandated uh, test before you go back to working in libraries the next week. So I drove over to get tested, and they were like, are you getting tested too, sir? And I'm like, no, she's the only one that registered. And they were like, do you want to be tested? It's free. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, if it's free, what the hell? Stick a, a cotton swab in my nose, stick it up in my bum, whatever you got to do if it's free. You know? So... You just put that cotton swab wherever it needs to go. Exactly. And me and that cotton swab will get real intimate real fast. <laughs> oh, yes. Most definitely. <clears throat> I, I digress, though. This, this is going to be a very funny, interesting uh, 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 code entry prior to the theme song when I edit this. Uh, so, are you ready? I was about to say, are you already recording? Uh, technically, yes. <laughs> oh. Well, at least you get to hear that back. full of loneliness and misery and suffering and unhappiness and it's all over much too quickly the question is have i learned anything about life hello everybody zane zenokami blaylock here for episode 14 of season one of essence of zen after dark which I really have some discussions to bring up about how we introduce the, the podcast episodes at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. But I am joined with my studious co-host, Andy Pirana Baldwin, the king and sorcerer of all things Sony. And I would even argue the true, the true creator of Sony, not just the PlayStation 5, four three two or the original one but even back in the days of walkman and not just the cd players but also the cell phone the sony walkman cell phones that also worked as mp3 players people didn't know about them it was really cool they had a built-in music maker so you could make your own uh, ringtones it's pretty lit so andy how the hell are you doing zane that intro was so long i had time to transcribe war and peace oh I think you just, uh, uh, well, I think I just broke a Guinness World Record then. <laughs> I feel good. <clears throat> Shortest transcription of War and Peace of all time. <laughs> Probably means it's not that great. <laughs> it's hard to beat the 
the classic Control C, Control V. Mm. Well, I, I, if listeners out there are a programmer, um, they they I, I was gonna say well then you should use Vim, but I'm not a fan of Vim, and I know I'm probably gonna get some flack for that. Vim is a, a, a console style terminal uh, file editor or note editor. And you basically move around with H J K L instead of arrow keys, and then you got to press I to do it. And it's 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 this whole crazy process, but essentially it allows for copy and paste even faster and quicker if you know how the keyboard macros and mechanics works. It's, it's very strange world of development and programming. But I digress. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing well. Staying indoors, occasionally going outdoors, and then uh, spending more time indoors. Staying sane, I hope. Yeah, I have been uh, starting this month. I've been starting going out once a week just because I just really want to hang out with my friends. So, I mean, we, sounds, uh, sounds good. Yeah. yeah, we try to be safe. You know, we, uh, none of us really do much past that in terms of going outside or interacting with other people. So, and also, I have not uh, caught the plague. So, it, it seems it seems okay so far. I know a lot of people, uh, and again, there's uh, uh, so much information that may conflict in general around the whole COVID-19 thing. Uh, but I would say, you know, in general, as long as you're being safe and you're being smart and you're, and you're thinking about what you're doing and you take time to assess yourself, see if you have any symptoms, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, just just be smart about how you go about your day, people. It's, 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 a, it's a wild world, not just with COVID-19, but with uh, events in uh, society related to our history and and uh, protests and, and etc. Uh, so I wish... You know the, the people well who are taking part in various different ways for set things. Uh, but yeah, uh, moving on to our topics for today. Uh, so for those who are listening, this is recorded on June. I think it's eleventh. Eleventh, yes. Uh, we were originally set to record this episode last week, uh, but we moved it to this week. And so our original topic was the PS5 event was delayed by a week. So then that we pushed our episode recording back a week, <laughs> it was not delayed for us anymore. So <laughs> the PS5 event went out. It went strong, came in. It hit It, it, it hit really well, in my opinion. Um, the one major knock that I have is... I. You open with Grand Theft Auto Five and saying it's going to be enhanced and 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 beefed up for the PS Five. Like, you no, know, it's cool. This coming to PS Five, sure, whatever. But like, yeah, I mean, it's it's Grand Theft Auto Five. I'm I'm pretty sure whatever upgrades you have are still going to be not that advanced from PS4 even, you know. But I, I digress. Other than that, I think the the show was pretty neat. Uh, what are your general thoughts on the event and possibly even the, the PS5 console reveal, Andy? Uh, it it was pretty neat. I did not tune into the uh, the live show because I was working. Um, sad, sad work from home. Yeah. But uh, it's already like exploded all over my newsfeed, anyways. So, <clears throat> um, it looked looked good. You, you know. Nothing, uh, nothing particularly unexpected. Uh, I really like the way the kit itself looks. Mm-hmm. Like it's got good visual appeal, very striking. Um, it, it reminds me of seeing the Wii U 
like handheld tablet for the first time um in terms of like level of reaction but instead of disgust it actually looked good so i i i agree a lot of people they have mixed feelings um some people genuinely don't like what they say they kind of went too far artistic um I make sure I'm saying that correctly. Art, artist, you know, art, artistic is in art levels, um, and I, I, I kind of value that because you know, you you look at what we saw from the Xbox uh, Series X, and again, nothing wrong with that either, but they kind of went with more uh, a more modern, standard visual prowess of kind of a, a compact PC. It's, it's it's a big boxy rectangle. Uh, re- rectangle. As a matter of fact, it reminds me of the old uh, Mac Pro. Uh, not not the new one, but the old trash can Mac Pro. But say being rounded and smooth, it's it's boxy and 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 edgy. Uh, so then you look at the PS Five, and then you got this, you know, weird kind of smooth yet yet curvy, sleek yet you know matte with a, a a nice swoop in it for the one that comes with the CD drive. And so when I look at this and I, I think about the conversation about how consoles are becoming far more like PCs, I look at the Xbox Series X and I think, okay, that looks a lot like, you know, an NZXT console case or PC case. Excuse me. I'm going to get some flack for that. Then I look at the PS5 and I go, that looks like it has a lot of Alienware PC case design language. And I'm fine with it both. I just, I just kind of find it funny how I'm now seeing basically PCs personally and then i look at the switch and i'm like nice yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah take those oh, it's off. Funny. I, uh, you said sleek sleek was definitely one of the words that i thought of as well as well as a uh, suave yeah it just like um that said the controllers do look disturbingly like ouya controllers so i'm a little bit concerned oh yeah and now that you've seen that you can't right it looks like an ouya controller now I, I I still think the bottom half, you know, where, where the the palms lie, are curved to be a little bit more um uh, what's the word uh, ergonomic. Form fitting, form, yeah, fitting works too. And a lot of people even tried to compare it to um the the Xbox controller, and I can see where they have that idea as well. Only from the lower portion of when you get to the the, the actual mid body and top, yeah, I see more of the ooyah now. Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> welcome it's because it's really really white yeah insert race joke here <laughs> i couldn't help myself uh oh, oh i i googled ps5 controller and i'm seeing all these fake mock-ups and i'm just like we got we we got the reveal for the ps5 controller a long time ago why why are we still having outdated images at the top of the search history or uh, search results. That's that's nasty. Ugh. I miss the um, the colors on the the buttons for the right thumb. For the They're right all, thumb. Yeah, it's like the triangle, the square, the circle, the cross. Oh, oh, I don't, oh shit! I have my. Yeah, normally they're like blue and green, red and pink. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they don't have any color. You know, I I, I think um, if. Oh, actually, that might that might that might have actually been a bad. No, I don't. I don't know. If if it was me, I would have experimented with having the actual keys. You know, have a backlighting for LEDs, and so you would have a a pink LED. You know, v- very faint, and you can probably adjust in like your 
your console's uh, settings, you know, to, to tweak it how you would like, turn them on, turn them off, change the colors if you want to. But yeah, I, I, would, I would have definitely put some type of way to indicate the colors. And primarily because, and oh, this actually gets into a good topic because you think about games and not, ne- not necessarily just for quick time events, but any type of button prompts, people, so a lot of people associate color to the button instead of just the shape of what they see. Yeah, I think it would have been a good uh, accessibility feature. Yeah. Especially as somebody who um, plays like Switch primary and other consoles secondary. Um, I'm terrible with uh, PlayStation related QuickTime events. Mm. If I'm prompted for a button, I'm sometimes it's just a guess. <laughs> It's like you have two seconds to press circle. I'm like, I don't know where that is by default. <laughs> you know what? Uh, uh, story time. Something very similar. Um, back in the day, I would pay. I, I would play PC games with the controller, but I did not want to buy a USB um, uh, wired Xbox controller for the PC. So, I, and I had a PS3 back then. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna use my PS3 controller put into the computer and I use a software that basically remapped the input from the PS3 controller to make it X input, treating it like an Xbox controller. So I'm playing a game and I'm conscious that I'm using a PS3 controller and I get a button prompt saying, you know, press X and I, I press X on the, the controller, but it's supposed to think that it's a Xbox controller. So I should have pressed square. <laughs> Needless to say, I bought an Xbox 360 controller shortly after. Yeah. Uh, I I am so used to Nintendo's layout that whenever I pick up an Xbox controller, I just get immediately baffled. <laughs> because A and B and switched and X and Y are switched. Yeah. And it's also kind of funny because depending on some of the developers, you know, long time ago, you would have a culture shift when it came to which Nintendo button was the primary button. For a lot of Western games back in the day for Nintendo, it was uh, B. Uh, But for a lot of uh, Japanese created games, it was A. And you would kind of see the same thing amongst uh, PlayStation games as well, where X would be the primary button, which is the bottom button, and then sometimes Circle would be the primary button, which is the right button. Uh, so I kind of found that strange of how, depending on the culture, at least back then, I think it's kind of cemented a little bit more nowadays, or or maybe just a little bit more blended. I, I don't know. Haven't really thought about it. Uh, but that's, 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 that's super, super interesting to me now. Huh. But speaking on the topic uh, uh, in general, did you see any games that really stood out to you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, I, <laughs> <it> <laughs> mentally, I'm just like, just pick anything other than Spider-Man. Everybody's going to say Spider-Man. Just don't say Spider-Man. Pick any other game. You talk about any other game first. Any game, like, it's Spider-Man. <laughs> like, yeah, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it was a great opener. Uh, well, technically, again, it opened with Grand Theft Auto Five, but I don't count that because Grand Theft Auto Five. Uh, but one thing that really, like, legitimately caught me off guard, and I don't, I don't know if you played the originals back in the day, but it's, a, it's, it's a big staple of my personal childhood. Odd World, dude. They brought back Odd World. Uh, so 
I don't know if you knew this about me, Zane, but growing up, I was literally only Nintendo handhelds. Oh. Nintendo handhelds until I got out of the house. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. A, a lot of people in back in the day were in their uh, their uh, 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 blood initiated gangs. You know, uh, uh, Sega versus Nintendo. And I don't fault you for being in the uh, Nintendo camp. <sighs> but let me. Do, do you know what Art World is? Are, are you are you are you aware? I'm only vaguely familiar. Okay. As in, I recognize the name levels of familiarity. I just posted a picture for one of the original. Uh, I think actually, I think that was from the second Odd World game. I don't know. Essentially, you play this weird alien that has a, you know thumbs and essentially like two, three fingers. Um, play this alien. He's got thumbs. Good start. I mean, I, yeah, it's it's. it's, it's, it's it's essentially the game is, is is a massive commentary on capitalism and freedom of society, where the the, the alien species that you play as is basically an enslaved species that basically make factories work, um, and they are you know kept in these. I mean, it, it, to, to to shorten the, the explanation, you are essentially an, an Amazon warehouse worker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm going there, Amazon. Don't at me. <laughs> um, but you get these powers um, to do like psychic uh, communication link. Uh, and... Oh man, that is my favorite part about being an Amazon worker. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and you go around saving your, your, your the other people who are in the same predicament as you, but without powers. But it's kind of like lemmings as and well. If that doesn't come up Amazon. I don't know what does. <laughs> so you have to lead these people who are kind of stupid. And try not not to get them killed, and you you get them to safety, and there's like these swirling birds, and then you activate your psychic powers, and the birds swarm and turn into a portal to freedom, and your people run through the portal, and then they're free. Um, so it's a weird game, man, but it 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 it's it's cool to see it back. I think it's a prime time to kind of have that same kind of commentary for the game in today's society, but I don't honestly think it will have the same connection or the same cult classic or, or the cult gathering reaction as the originals did because it's, it's, it's kind of past its prime. But I'm still glad it's coming back personally. I love it. Just shout out to the homie. Um, also, a, a quick mention as well. Um, I was very eager to see Deathloop, but then I saw it and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really into it anymore. Um, no fault to the game itself. I think the design looks great. I think the artistic uh, decisions look great. But when they first showed the game last year, it had a completely different style. Granted, it was all cinematic cutscenes that they were showcasing. But it gave a very particular style, more more realistic. And what I see is essentially what I got with the original Borderlands, whereas the the the, the pre-release video uh, videos and, and showcase of Borderlands was a very gritty, realistic uh, depiction. And then when the game came out, we got this cell shaded cartoon, very colorful. And again, nothing wrong with that. And of course, that helped the game out tremendously, set itself apart from other games, and become a, a, a classic that it is considered nowadays. But man, it was I, I I personally disappointed, and the same thing I have with this with 
you know, I almost said E3, but no, from the PS5 uh, feature gaming culture thing. It, it, I don't know. It's just, mm, I don't like the bait and switch, even though it wasn't intentional. I mean, you know, it's still in development, so. Yeah. But part of me, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think if you're going to show a game and not say that, like, you know, this is subject to change a, a year ago, because it, 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 it's saying this, this is what we're doing with our, our foot forward. Because granted, with, with Borderlands, that was the case. The only video and, 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 and images that we saw were through like websites and magazines like Game Informer. And they strictly stated, like in heavy development, this is early pre-alpha stuff. For Deathloop, it wasn't. It was working on this cool game where, you know, looping and death and time and entertainment, yada, 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 here it is. And then we, we saw it, you know, it went quiet, came back a year later to this day, and complete change. So, I don't know. It feels weird. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not a negative. It's not a knock. It's just something that I personally feel weird about. Just not what you wanted. Right. And that's okay. That's okay. So, yeah. Um, so, stuff that other games that stood out to me, other than Spider-Man. And to be honest, Spider-Man, I'm just expecting PS4 Spider-Man again. Mm-hmm. Um, I... There's definitely potential for it to be a very different, you know, they could definitely take it in a different direction. Um, but just based on that trailer, it really just looks like like PS4 Spider-Man. Um, but we'll we'll see. Maybe they could do something neat with it. Yeah. Um, they put all their like major IPs on display, so that was nice. It was just like a general. They got like Ratchet and Clank and Gran Turismo and stuff. Um, Stray, when I saw the, the, <laughs> the trailer for Stray, I was like, is that that game that I think I heard about like a long time ago where you're like a cat? And um, it, it might be. It might be. Oh, yeah. There, there were. Yeah. I forgot. There, there, were, there was a previous Stray game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I don't you know. Wow. I watched it live as well when I was working at my day job to stay between you, me and the listeners. Um, and I was doing live tweets as I watched, you know, game on, on uh, reveals and unveils, or whatever. And when I saw stray, my tweet was, it was uh, something like, Oh, look, kitty. It's cute. Kitty goes meow. Okay. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, quick, quick, quick um, they question. had a whole bunch of title. Ooh. I was saying, uh, for a quick question. Do you know who was the developer behind the uh, PS4 Spider-Man game? Was it was it Night Dog? The what are you looking for? Developer, publisher, developer. The developer was Insomniac, Insomniac. Games. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you. Good, but continue with your statement. I'm sorry for uh, cutting you off. Um, see a whole bunch. So, um, there are a whole bunch of titles that are just like. Look, graphics. And I was like, cool. Um, Solar Ash reminded me a lot of Journey. Yes! Of aesthetics. In fact, when I saw it at the beginning, I was like, is this just Journey? Like a new Journey? That is what it reminds me of big time. Yeah. Um, 
I've no idea what it's actually supposed to be about, but aesthetically and with the small amount of, um, I don't think it was gameplay footage, but just like, you know, the trailer that they showed, it definitely had big journey vibes. Um, I, I agree. Hitman three looks cool. Hitman's cool. Yep. Um, if it comes out on other platforms, I might get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think so, I will play it so long as I can beam people with soda can steel. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Mm. Uh, I haven't actually played any of the Hitman games, but I really enjoy watching them played. Hmm. Because um, they're very like playing Hitman well is very intellectual. You know, it's like you're doing like smart and clever stuff. But, uh, like, I feel like a lot of getting to there is just bumbling around and messing up, and I'm not particularly <laughs> interested in that, like, fall down a flight of stairs 20 times until you, like, ride the banister down. It looks cool. Just just show me the banister. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of appreciate people like Funhouse, uh, you know, the old guys from, oh, God, what was the previous Rooster Teeth stuff called. I can't. I can't remember. But you know, uh, Bruce Green, um, uh, Adam Kovic, uh, James, and Elise Williams, etc. When they when they play the Hitman games, I've never laughed as hard as people like doing all things wrong, still succeeding, and just being hilarious at it. So, I think unintentionally that game has also become a a a, a comedic game, such as beaming people in the face with the soda can. Constantly. It's true. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of its charm. You know, you can dress up like a giant bunny rabbit and then just, like, murder people with a chainsaw. I don't know. Oh, my God. There's, uh, there's also an Easter egg with, I think, the most recent Hitman 2 with a particular mission map where you can dress up as a bird mascot and, you know, kill your target. And if you leave, if you get to the, the, the exit to finish the mission on the helipad... While wearing the, the the mascot bird suit, you will literally put your arms in like the the chicken dance, you know, the chicken wing, flap your your elbows, kind of thing. And Hitman Codename Forty Seven will literally start flying in his feathered bird mascot suit <laughs> and fly away. Very nice. <laughs> it's like Fast and the Furious in the game mode, man. It's it's, it's it, oh, I, I love Hitman. I, I absolutely love it. Oh man! Uh, oh, you 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 also mentioned Solar Ash, and um, it made me think about one of the other games that were that, that were showcased. I could not get the actual main title because it was in a weird graphical you know setup, but I caught the subtitle, which is the Far Shore. Uh, it it started off with like you know people or, or you a door opened and it walked out and you see people looking at you. Jet, and a, Jet what was was it was it the main thing? Jet. With two T's, the Far Shore. Thank Jet, you. Colon the Far Shore. Thank you. I thought that was it, but like I saw, I saw like like two T's. I thought it was like an H, and I was like, is it J? But okay, th- thank you so much. Um, let me update some of my other notes for that. Um, but that reminded me of like also a little bit of Journey, but also with um that one PS3 game where you play as like the wind carrying flowers and, and pollen, you know, across open Greenlands, and I was like, oh, you know, this this looks 
interesting. I want to know more about it, but you know, I'm, I'm all about flight sims, baby. I'm all about space. I'm all about... I was about to say, yeah. it looks really interesting, but I have no idea what type of game this is. Yes! Oh! Like, what genre is this? What, what do I... Like... Because it feels like it could be several. Yes! <laughs> but you also mentioned earlier, um, a lot of the games were like, oh, you know, graphics, this looks nice. That's it. The king of that description was the game Godfall. It had like a cool trailer, a cool t- the music with the 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 choreograph of of the play of you know the hitting, the shouting, the character movements, the dodging, everything was on point. I have no idea what the hell that game is is about. I, like, and I I tweeted, okay, this looks good. The music is on point. What's the plot? And and, and it just, it just ends, and I'm like, oh, I uh, I, I don't. You gotta give us more than that, man. It's not even like a mysterious bit. It's it's just graphics and combat. There you go. And you know that that might be good for some. Just not me. Let let, let me stop raining on other people's parades. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It honestly kind of just I don't know. It just makes me think of every other like third person over the shoulder like action game. Yeah. Um, I was also very saddened we did not get anything, not even like a remaster of Jack and Daxter. And when they showcase the gameplay for uh, Ratchet and Clank and how they're going through different dimensions and rifts, I was hoping, and maybe I did miss it, I don't know, but I was hoping that for like two seconds when they went through the rift, you could you would see Jack and Daxter off in the corner somewhere for like a split second. I was hoping for it. I don't. To be honest, at the start of the Ratchet and Clank trailer, I thought it was Jack and Daxter. Same. Oh my god, yes. I uh. was like, is this Jack and Daxter? And then they were like, it's Ratchet, and I'm like, Ratchet and Daxter. Like <laughs> my brain was so set on that. I'm like, who does Ratchet team up with? Is it Jack or is it Daxter? I don't remember. <laughs> But that's why I asked you if you knew who uh, the developer for the Spider-Man games were. Because I was like, it's either the guys who did uh, Jack and Daxter, Nutty Dog, or it was the Ratchet and Clank people, you know, uh, Insomniac. And it's Insomniac. So Insomniac has Mal Morales' uh, Spider-Man coming out and Ratchet and Clank. And I'm just like, where the hell is Nutty Dog? Because we, did, we also didn't get an Uncharted. What, what is Nutty Dog doing? I, don't, I, mean, I mean, not not in a uh, a negative way. I'm, I'm just like legitimately curious. What are, what do they have I'm going on? Yeah, thing? what is Naughty Dog doing? Yeah. It's got to be something. I hope. And I hope it's Jack and Daxter related. Even even though it, that game sequence did have a an actual solid conclusion, uh, it, it did not need that racing gang uh, uh, shoot them thing. It wasn't bad, but it, it didn't really serve anything to, to the narrative of the the world. And again, once you found out that, spoiler alert, Jack is the godlike being Mar, who was sent back uh, or sent into the future, um, who met his his future future self Mar in the past. Okay, it kind it did kind of tie everything up pretty well in Jack and Dexter three, but I mean, I, I still want more. I, please, please, please. But yeah, you know, that, other than that, it, it, it was nice. Um, oh, uh, one game that had me scratching my head, uh, Pragmata. And I, I I thought that was a Kojima project, but it wasn't. And I I was shocked. What was it called? Pragmata. 
the 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 teaser for it. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it starts off with the guy in the in the in the, the, the astronaut spacesuit walking down like looks like Manhattan uh, roads, and then he meets a artificial robot hologram cat and girl thing before the Earth atmosphere shatters and it's like a hologram hollow dome and he gets into space and then lands on the moon and they look up and they see earth and i was like okay i'm confused but my interest has been peaked but i am confused yeah it was definitely <sighs> <laughs> i i hate saying that it has like a kojima vibe because yes. i really just code for it didn't make any sense at all yes 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 Yes. 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 Yeah. And honestly, after his last project, it just makes me super wary about that sort of thing. I'm not like, ooh, I'm interested. I'm like, oh, man, that looks like some sort of sneaky train wreck. I can't remember. Did you play uh, Death Stranding? I did not play Death Stranding. Okay. I, I would recommend if it ever goes on sale for like five I bucks. I the cinematics were amazing. Um, but unfortunately, they decided to put a game in in around it, and it was just like a walking simulator. Uh, yes and no. Um, it, it, it's very hard to explain because it's, it's a very when you experience it kind of thing. Um, but I I was actually impressed by what it because it, it well by the end of the game I, I do think they they went a kind of a little bit far in their trying to get their message across but from the beginning to the middle it had a very nice pacing in terms of the message about humanity uniting you know getting rid of hate uh uh, being together and only being able to progress the human species and culture forward by working hand in hand and you know a lot of those things speak volumes especially now during covid and even more so during the protests and the the injustices amongst people there's a the whole bit with the the uh what's the the actor's name uh, uh moss 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 cannot uh, no, i don't know um that's a, a star wars character um the guy from the trailer where he had the tendrils and he was smoking and then he he put his finger to his mouth and went shh as the soldiers ran, ran around him his whole point is is, is very tied into injustice re- revenge and seeking justice uh, and, and it, it speaks really strong up until the middle part of the game, then after that, it, it gets kind of exaggerated and it goes to many different directions. And they kind of shoot for the moon, and it, it, it kind of gets a little bit weird. And there's like this scene where they're running across the beach, and it's kind of stupid. But for the most part, for the most part, the message is very beautiful. It's very strong and it's very powerful. Uh, and so I, I commend him and in, in the team at, at uh, Kojima's new studio for that. But yeah, hopefully they, they they learn from it, and for the next project they they do even even better. But I I do recommend the the game is different depending on how you personally experience it, and I think we talked about how experience or spoilers can change the experience uh, that you yourself has or have with the game. But I, now I'm rambling, so I, I, I'll 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 shut up now. I I got you though. I got you. Mm. But isn't a lot of that endgame stuff expressed via cutscene? Uh, yeah, and as I say, towards the end, it gets exaggerated because now they, like, they start beating you over the head with it. But before that, <laughs> a lot of it is through how you play. So th- there's a lot of lore building. Before I was blooded to death. I re- was really enjoying the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's, um, 
he may have did it because a lot of the elements are told through lore pieces where you know you find documents you find jump drives you find pieces of notes and you can read them and you can get an idea of what's going on if you ignore all of that you may have a hard time piecing stuff together so i think they kind of relied on well let's jam this thing packed full of more cutscenes to kind of fill in those gaps for players or who, who aren't reading who, who don't want to read those uh those data banks and i you know it's it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing to 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 juggle uh, but I think that's probably one of the most conforming ways you, you can try to please as most people as possible. For those people who did not read it, they probably really enjoyed the cutscenes. For those who did read documents and piece together the puzzles before they became super obvious via the cutscenes, they probably felt like they were getting the message beat over their head towards the end. But still good, still a good work project. And walking simulator aside, there is a lot of action that that picks up towards the middle. So, a lot of like right. Metal Gear levels of action at that. Metal Gear, Otacon, Colonel, Metal Gear. What is his name? Um, the original Snake, uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Hayden, Hater. I forget. Yeah, I like the guy though. So more power to him. Oh, yeah. But uh I, I guess oh that yeah, we, we we just chalked up a lot of the half of the, the episode about this event, which is totally fine. Um but this makes me think like if if we take into consideration what we saw from the PS5 event because if you remember I accidentally almost called it E3. Uh because we're not getting E3 this year. Um and we we, we may never get E3 ever again. Do you do you think the future of game conferences are coming to a close in favor of more personal uh, conferences slash showcases from companies like Sony, as well as companies like you know Ubisoft, Bethesda, and etc. Um, I mean, so I'm 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 just gonna look at E3. For a second, because in terms of like conferences in general, they're definitely like not over, right? Because mm-hmm. even if game conferences were just killed forever in the United States, there's still plenty of game conferences like Pax. all over the world. So, like, even in just like Brazil or Japan or whatever, like, there's going to be like gaming conventions, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I... those will live on in some form. <laughs> So I, I guess even even more zoomed in question, and I, I ask you because you're my uh, uh, my personal link into the professional aspect of the gaming industry. Uh, would you say that the mistakes of, or not even the mistakes, the predicament that E3 specifically finds itself in, is it caused primarily due to choices that they themselves made, or also a particular change in culture, maybe with just specifically in, in the states? or a combination, or in general, what, what do you think is the reason or cause, if you just had to speculate that E3 is now you know, suffering with two broken legs, a hemorrhaging uh, set of internal organs, and using a Darth Vader breathing apparatus to try to stay alive as long as it can? Well, it's well known that those are all symptoms of COVID. <laughs> Even the broken legs. Even the broken legs. The uh, the Darth Vader specific respirator, that one was a gimme. The broken legs, that's the standout. 
<laughs> You're gonna kill me, man. Yeah, with two broken legs and a Darth Vader respirator. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> but um yeah, so E3 is definitely canceled this year on account of the fact that it was supposed to take place uh, over the past three days mm-hmm. uh, originally. Um, I think E3 is going to go on um, in some form or another just by sheer profitability. Like, right? It just makes money. It draws crowds. People are interested. They'll, you know, they'll get paid. In fact, E3's actually been getting more and more showmanship over the past couple of years. Because for a while, it was just like Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony. Mm-hmm. And then, and even before that, it was like, it was Sega instead of Microsoft, right? Because mm-hmm. it showed up in 95. So it's been around for a while. And then, you know, recently, more and more, it, not even like console makers, like EA shows up to it now. Uh, Ubisoft's been showing up to it for a while and in recent years it's been getting crazy like Bethesda shows up Sega showing back up because you know whatever <laughs> like Square, Square's there like everybody's there there was a point in time when um, the freaking Oculus Rift was there right mm-hmm. like and that's all these are all just people who have shown up in the past like five years so even and it's obviously changing because I I don't remember which ones specifically it was, but I know that um, several times like Nintendo does like a virtual conference. Um, I know that last year Sony didn't show up; they just kind of did their own thing, but they did it at the same time as E3, so it was like it was basically just you know it was E3 adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It, like it might change and the way you know the the console titans whatever whoever they happen to be at the time um because like you never know i don't know uh you know it could switch up at any time yeah i, um, I feel you but yeah it's like even if somebody drops out there's just so many more companies coming into it now um, the crowd draw is still really good. Um, in fact, it's been holding pretty strong for the past couple of years. Obviously, this one notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so, would you consider? And again, this is speaking from my personal experience, and and because I I have never been to E three personally. E um, three, uh, whenever you can reopen and actually have a a physical visit again if you want to send us tickets by all means we'll show up um you just send me the ticket i won't show up (laughs) i'll show up in a hazmat suit because covid aside i hear conventions will make anybody sick with anything (laughs) um but no um i i i listen to a lot of gaming journalism um and I, I won't even put that in quotation marks. So I think it's an actual legitimate industry in terms of a type of journalism nowadays. Yeah, of course. Um, but I, I do. F- sometimes. Yeah, because I, I do feel like you know they, they <laughs> like they've um, over exaggerated and uh, s- s- you know uh, what's the word salaciated, salaciated. Um, I don't know. Made it seem like a really big know. deal. 
that oh you know since Sony pulled out E3 is on the on the decline it's, it's, it's gonna end and I'm like you know it's not gonna end the show may not be what people expected because one of the big dogs isn't there but the show will continue uh, and so I don't personally know like uh, or I didn't until you told me about like the numbers standing uh, uh, in, in, in good status and good in good position um, how they were doing as a uh, event themselves but personally with the information that you just gave I think E3 might be in a very positive prime opportunity, right? Because we, we didn't have it this year. So it's now missing. It's kind of like a, a, a void has been set. And say they take a break next year, or they don't, you know, they get the, the, the option to do so. Whenever they do come back, if they, if they do, and if they can, they have the stage to set a new standard, a, a new wow, a new possessed. They're, the, the bar has been lowered, so to speak. And so say Sony doesn't show up, Microsoft doesn't show up, Nintendo doesn't show up because they're all doing their own things. Well, then maybe E3 is more indie accommodating, more power to you know smaller developers, double uh, A uh, companies, uh, uh, single A companies. Let let E3 show the world what most producers and 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 other groups won't show for the little person, right? That 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 could be an, an easy an easy marketable swing for them to do, right? Or am I just kind of crazy and totally off basis? Because I, I, I think that swing might be a little bit too dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, E3 does not have a reputation for catering to the indie crowd. I mean, not not in recent years in mm-hmm. particular. Like there, I I want to say like there's always a little bit, but I don't even know if that's true. I've seen like some videos, but nothing special. I think E3 is just the big boys. Because, I mean, I'm looking at the list right now. So planned for this year, there was Microsoft, Nintendo, and uh, let's see. It looks like Sony wasn't showing up again. Mm-hmm. They didn't show up last year either. They're, they appear to be opting out, but still doing like a thing. Um, yeah, it was Microsoft, Nintendo, and then Ubisoft, Bethesda, Sega, Capcom, Square Enix, Take-Two, Bandai Namco, Warner Brothers, and... And Devolver Digital. I don't even know what that last one is. Devolver Digital <laughs> were like the Gungeon, um, and I think uh, uh, Hot, uh, Hot Miami, Miami uh, Hot, um, the, the the bloody. There you go. I think. Hotline Miami. There you That's go. What it was. I think. There you go. Hotline. My, yes, Hotline Miami. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Um, so regardless, even if like. Microsoft and Nintendo don't show up. I don't think that there would be a particularly hard pivot toward. Well, first of all, um, Microsoft is heavily incentivized to keep going just because Sony won't. So that <laughs> gives them like a platform that Sony won't compete with them on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nintendo is like barely in it currently, right? So even if there's a move away from Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony. Um, like the big three, Microsoft will most likely still stay in it, and there's still like a ton of other major developers, you know. So even if it becomes less about like a hardware showcase, it could still be like a big time software showcase, which is something that was always going on, anyways, you know. Um, even before the hardware wars were like really in full swing. So, I I don't think you would really see a particularly big pivot to indie indie has you know its own like platforms 
Um, you might see some indie representation at E3, but only as an extension of Microsoft or Nintendo or Sony. You know, oh, that makes sense. Um, like Nintendo's going to show off Shovel Knight, not because Shovel Knight is like the developers of Shovel Knight are like their big standalone studio, but because it's a branch of Nintendo's indie arm. Got got it. You know what, you know what I'm saying? I'm picking up what you're putting now. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. But, and I, I will say, you know, you, you do bring up Microsoft, and Microsoft is in a weird position, a, a weird, good, opportune position. I, I, I think we talked about this last time of how, like, Microsoft is, is just prying for a lot of good things, but they either jump on it either late or not at all. And it's like, Microsoft, you this is this is your opportunity. Like, this, you, you have the platform to do so much. Do it. Um, and so I recently found out uh, that apparently... In terms of you know game streaming, streaming games through the cloud, and again, I don't think that's going to be anything you know uh, majority anytime soon or if ever, uh, but it'll, it'll it'll be a big part of the future of gaming, sure, uh, in, in my opinion at least. Um, but you know they're they're beating out a lot of other platforms, and so like right now, Microsoft's Alpha uh, X game streaming platform is only second to Nvidia's GeForce Cloud Gaming. And I think that's actually, and again, it's a small pond with only a few fish, but that's actually something still very commendable to to praise them for. I don't know where they're going to go with it, and they seem to make sure they have a lot of games lined up to fill those slots for gamers and and, and, and consumers. Uh, but if they have low latency, you know, as little lag as possible, that is up there with Nvidia, which has been rocking that. Uh, area ever since they did um, uh, local access network uh, mirroring for using your gamer your gaming PC to play on a original Nvidia Shield the handheld. Uh, I, I think that shows some of the weight they have in the computing uh, side of things. Um, yeah. So yeah. For sure. No, no, I I definitely agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll we'll see where these companies go, especially next year if we do have E3 and if we do have PAX. Um, if any convention employees or anyone who 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 can make big shot calls are listening to this podcast, I highly doubt it, but I hope so. Uh, I personally would recommend you not do anything this year. I mean, just like even if you can make it as safe as possible, I don't think it'd just be a good look. A lot of people will probably. Um, uh, get the impression that you care more about uh, looks or or profit or or you know, whatever over the safety of others, uh, which might be true, but th- yes. that's not the point, right? And for listeners out there, let's be real: all companies are like that. They're they, you know, it's, it's it's a sad reality that we live in. Like, and and okay, getting a little real moment. Uh, just got got to call it like it is. A a, a, a very short special of me kind of putting my heart out there for 20 minutes should have released by, uh, by recording of this video. Um, or it should be tomorrow uh, of recording this video. I'm not sure. Uh, you have companies right now who are supporting protests and black lives matters and, you know, anti-racism, et cetera, which is all fine and dandy, but it's very telling of how certain companies, I mean, it legitimately is. If you're putting money, you know, for a good effort, you know, cool. Thumbs up. 
but it took you to this moment for most companies to do to do that and they're they're making these 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 big statements now when like you know three years ago some of them were were saying you know black lives matter is a terrorist you know type of thing or they don't condone uh some of the actions you know yada 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 look it's all about image it's all about profit it's all about capitalism when it comes to most businesses corporations and companies and and and, and groups when it comes to public uh, uh, statements and honestly a part of me cannot fault them because if you're a company and you have employees and you know that the employees got to eat and they got families to take care of yes your bottom line is very important but then you also look at like you know who's running that company how much they're making and if you have a pandemic and you end up you know closing out and firing and laying off staff because it's you know you need to save money yet you do not take a pay cut on your own CEO or CFO or COO or CIO payroll then that's more telling about the company and what they really care about not their employees not their customers not the consumers but just generally how we're basically near a world in a society that's really close to cyberpunk 2077. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, let, let, let me reel myself in before I, uh, I get a little too rebellious on this state run radio. On the stack of soapboxes. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. And not, not, not even soap as in soap opera, but like soap as in clean smell good soap, soap boxes, yeah. like dial. <laughs> Why'd I say dial? I think they have some. Any, any, anyway. Dove. So, oh, Dove. Uh, I like Dove, even though some of their stuff are questionable in terms of business practices. But again, what company is it? Anyway, speaking on social society, contracts, companies, and, and, and et cetera, in our last podcast together, Andy, we talked about, uh, or, we, or we mentioned and quoted a previous, previous podcast conversation when it came to a player's social contract that they make either consciously or subconsciously with a game product or, you know, any product for that matter, be it movie, game, cartoon, et cetera, uh, that they make with, 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 the, with, with that and how it can affect and impact our experience and I, I guess in general, our, our thoughts and perception of said pro- product. Would you like to go into more detail? Really quick. Mm-hmm. How far into this recording are we? Uh, we are reaching 55 minutes and, and 30 seconds. Sans, maybe about five or eight minutes of our, our intro, not real intro, uh, shooting uh, 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 the poop. Okay. I just, uh, I wasn't sure because I, I know the clock's running a little bit and I, uh, this, is, this is kind of a big one. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm all ears if you are all uh, uh, vocals. Um, so, man, so, I don't know, there's just, like, so much to talk about. (laughs) Um, keep in mind, we we can do a part two, if you want to do half of it now and continue when, uh, our our next session. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna start talking, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So... The reason why I often think about this, like how, well, not like often think about it. I'm, I'm not just like, man, I can't wait to pen my thesis. <laughs> um, but I often think about why we don't finish games. Like how many games have you bought and you didn't finish them? Too many. 
Um, and then, like, why? Why didn't you finish them? And I'm not talking about games that you bought because they were on sale and you've never touched. I'm talking about games that you have, like, sunk time into. And then you just stop playing. Um, because I'm I'm not approaching this from, like, a... Like, just, like, a raw, like, like gameplay perspective. Like, you got bored or something. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes you sometimes you just get tired of a game and you stop playing it. Um, which I have had that issue with a couple of games. Um, specifically, uh, the original XCOM and Bioshock Infinite come to mind. Uh, I played Bioshock Infinite to the end, but it had the exact same problem as the original XCOM, which is I got carried and sticked to death. Um, I could see the goal line, and then they just kept throwing things at me, and I was like, please, I would like to see the conclusion of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, fortunately, in Bioshock Infinite, I eventually got over that last hurdle involving a really dumb ghost. Um, but in XCOM, I never did. Um, but no, I'm talking about... L- let, me, let me just go straight into my story. There's a game that exists called Spec Ops The Line. And Spec Ops the Line is the is the reason has basically shaped my entire opinion on this issue. Um, and whenever I am playing a game and I see an issue that reminds me of Spec Ops the Line, sometimes I just stop playing. And I honestly, because Spec Ops the Line taught me part of part of Spec Ops Line's gameplay is that sometimes you have to stop playing the game. It's not about winning. It's not about losing. It's not about like quitting it's not even about quitting it's not about quitting the game it's about making the conscious decision that you no longer want to engage in this medium spec ops the line is a story about being an american soldier you're part of a three-man squad you're in dubai also i'm about to drop some massive spoilers (laughs) if you want to have an incredible gaming experience that's going to shape how you approach games in the future just go play it. It's an old game. I'm going to look up exactly when it came out really quick. Spec Ops The Line. Came out in 2012 on Steam. It's an eight-year-old game on Steam. Possibly older. No, it's 2012. 2012. Um, so this is your last chance. <laughs> I am not a person who plays first-person shooters a whole lot. I played Halo in the, in its heyday. That's really about it. Not really too big on anything else. Spec Ops The Line is, without any spoilers, basically just like a Call of Duty shooter. You're mil- you, you are a military man. You shoot bad guy. You, you win game. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole thing. But holy crap. The game is incredible. Incredible. Um. Okay, go play. It. Your last chance, last <laughs> warning. I already said last warning. This is it right here. I'm counting it down. Three, two, one. So this game is about being an American shooting other Americans. I I warned you. You should have gone and played it. You you ruined <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. So, Spec Ops: The Line is about being an American soldier who just loses it. Um, he literally, he shoots other Americans because he thinks they're going to shoot him. 
and then he just sort and then he literally makes up a bad guy. The final boss of the game is a figment of your imagination. He doesn't exist. And his name is um Conrad, by the way. <laughs> yeah, see? You know that reference. When I played the game, I didn't know that reference. <laughs> I had no idea. Um Yeah, you are hunting down this rogue American commander named Conrad. Um, he's in league with the enemy or whatever. Um, and the game is heavily, heavily predicated on moral choices. Um, and this is, this is where a lot of my consideration stems from is moral choices because Whenever a game presents to you moral choices, and it's specifically when a game is based around morality, um, the way, and I'm not talking about morality the way, like, Darkest Dungeon is based around morality. Mm -hmm. Darkest Dungeon doesn't have a morality system, you know, and I'm not saying that Darkest Dungeon isn't actually based around morality, because it 100% is, and it's about engaging in your morality in an organic manner, um, and I'm honestly stealing at least part of what I'm saying from a wonderful uh wonderful wonderful youtube video called our morality systems making us less moral hmm. um because that video is all about how moral systems in games have nothing to do with morality it's just all about choosing an ending like morality systems have very very little to do with being moral you can it's like are you the good guy or are you the bad guy uh the original bioshock actually came really close to actually having a morality system because you could harvest the sisters for more Adam or you could leave them alone, but it botched it because if you take the good route, you get rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. And it actually like the rewards are like just as good, if not better. So that's not a good morality system. Darkest, Darkest Dungeon has a cool morality system because you can just take people and just like ruin their lives and then just throw them to the street. And the game doesn't judge you for that. It doesn't reward you. It doesn't penalize you. It just says you can do it. That's a morality system. So in this, this game, however, walks an interesting line because it has a black and white morality system, but it also, every morality system in every game, and well, maybe not in every game. I haven't played every game, but a lot of morality <laughs> systems actually have a hidden third option. So let me give you an example. One of the first things that you encounter after your first run-in, quote, quote, with Conrad, which is you talk to him on a walkie-talkie. Uh, and at the end of the game, you realize that there is nobody on the walkie-talkie. The walkie-talkie doesn't even have batteries. Um, <laughs> you go outside of the building where you talk to Conrad. And there are two men hanging by their wrists from rope in an overhead. Um, and you're talking to Conrad. And one of the men is a U.S. soldier, and one of the men is a civilian. Uh, this game takes place in Dubai, so he is a stereotypical uh, Arab man. And you are told that, uh, and you can see there are snipers trained on your position. Um, you ha you are given two options by Conrad. You can shoot the Arab man who's responsible for stealing water from the community. Or you can shoot the soldier who is responsible for killing the Arab man's family after discovering, after like tracking down this Arab man. 
So you can shoot the Arab guy, or you can shoot the soldier. Now, what's interesting about Spec Ops The Line is that in almost all of its moral dilemmas, there's a third option. And when you are looking at these two individuals hanging in front of you with your gun trained on them, the third option that you can take, and you can do this if you're really clever about it, and I actually did it on my first playthrough. Instead of shooting one of the two men the way Conrad wants you to, because he's threatening to snipe you if you don't, is you can shoot the snipers. And you can forego this moral decision. You can get both the men... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not actually sure what happens to both the men. I don't know if they escape or what, or if the snipers shoot them or whatever. But basically, you can take Conrad's decision and you can say, shove off. I'm not playing your game. Right. Um, and there's, there's another instance in the game, much, much later on, where, um, like I said, you, you're playing as an American. You have two squad mates. Um, there's a situation much later in the game where one of your squad mates... Um, gets ambushed by a mob of angry civilians and they just beat the crap out of him. I believe they kill him. And you're facing down this this angry mob and you have your gun and they have rocks and they're just yelling at you. Um, if you do nothing, they just pelt you with rocks and eventually, and that will eventually kill you. And you get like reset back, obviously. It's standard first-person shooter stuff yeah and i remember being in that situation the first time i was in that situation i was like obviously i'm not going to shoot into the crowd i like that's obviously wrong right like mm -hmm. i shouldn't do that but in exchange i was pummeled to death by rocks and i was like crap how am i supposed to go forward in this game so the second time came back to the same situation they started throwing rocks at me i didn't know what else to do i shot into the crowd and i dispersed the crowd i killed like five people Mm. Uh, it was all a game, but it's very. It made me sympathetic on a level that I had never been like sympathetic to that sort of situation before, right? Like you just don't know what to do. It turns out, however, that the hidden option, the hidden option that you can take, shoot in the air, firing into the crowd, you can fire into the air, mm. and that also disperses the crowd, um, which I I didn't know about until I saw somebody else during a playthrough and they fired into the air and it made the crowd disperse. I was like, oh, that's really smart, but in the moment, I just couldn't figure it out. Um, and more to the point, I just couldn't like think in a way that was necessary for me to get out of that situation without shooting and killing five people. So the, the crux of this game, the point in which your character starts actually losing it is, um, it's super pivotal moment where you are. Uh, attempting to get through an entrenched enemy position. And to do so, you use uh, white phosphorus rounds. I don't know if you know what that is, Zane. Uh, the chemical that essentially acts as if, it's bur if, if it burns people. So it, it, it I guess it, it does actually burn. Yes, it's, it's like napalm. Yeah. It's similar to napalm in its function. It's not actually napalm, but it does, just sets everything on fire. Um... So in order to get through an entrenched enemy position, you decide to use white phosphorus. Now, if I'm correct, white phosphorus, I believe, is is it outlawed by international law? Uh, I could believe uh, yes. so. Or 
it's debatably outlawed by international law, depending on how you want to interpret it. But most interpretations believe that white, white phosphorus is outlawed by international law. So your character is like, screw this, we need to get through this entrenched position. And you go into this little like mini game sort of thing where you have a um, a camera that's being suspended by a drone, and you use the camera to basically pick targets of where you're going to shoot the white phosphorus. And at the end of this like mini cutscene, um, the white phosphorus, the or the um, the drone, I'm not sure if it's like a drone or like a weather balloon or something. I don't know. Um, it's not the point. Is Zane? Have you played this game? I have not. Okay. <laughs> so at the very end, where you're like just just dropping white phosphorus on these fools using a heat camera, and you can just see like these huge flashes of white just like light up areas and just incinerate people. Mm-hmm. At the very end, the camera comes to hover over a truck at the very end of the enemy camp, and by the truck. There is a very, very large number of heat signatures, like unusually large number of heat signatures. You know, the enemies that are around the camp, they're kind of spaced out and stuff. There's not a whole lot of them here. There's a lot of heat signatures and not a lot of space. Um, If you want to advance in the game, you must fire the last round. Mm. You have to do it. Have no choice. Um, Even if you know, as I knew what's about to happen. Like, I hadn't obviously played through the game before, but the first time you see it, there's a lot of heat signatures. Probably civilians. Mm-hmm. But whatever. You shoot it anyways. And then you go into the camp as the white phosphorus burns away literally all the people. And you get all the way to the back, and there's a car on a bridge over a trench. And in this trench, there's just a whole bunch of incinerated civilians been burned to a crisp and you look over them and you're like oh crap and then your character's like we have no choice we have to move on and that scene i believe is just before i believe that the next scene is your first encounter with conrad like this is the thing that breaks the main character Mm -hmm. um and this is and when the main character breaks it's like a slow slide um and i'm just gonna diverge here for a second a lot of this game's themes are about descending you descend all the time at the start of most missions you are on top of something and you just go down you're going down all the time even when at some point you're like there's no way the city can like possibly go any lower you still go down it's about going down and whenever there are loading screens the loading screens themselves start like devolving right like Sometimes they'll just be like helpful tips and stuff, but there are some points at the end where like you you're just like running and gunning through everybody in your path. You get shot down and the loading screen is of like your dead teammate and the ca- and instead of like a tooltip or anything, the caption is just do you feel like a hero yet? Oh my like, god. Yeah, it just punches you in the gut. Um because the game is dead on a straight subversion of all the Call of Duty tropes feels like a call of duty game and then it just starts like tearing away at the seams so going back you use white phosphorus you kill a ton of civilians and your character just moves on and like i said through the game there are several moral decisions 
that can be subverted or avoided. Like you can avoid doing the bad thing. Um, but the, at the end of the day, your character is just, he's just lost it. Um, and you eventually have an encounter with Conrad where Conrad is just dead. Like he's just a corpse. And then you see him and you talk to him anyways. Um, and the game has a couple of different endings. Um, you can, um, your character can commit suicide. You can get picked up by American soldiers. Um, or when the American soldiers come to pick you up, you can shoot them too. Um, <laughs> And then uh, when that happens, that route itself has either an ending where your character gets killed, or you can kill literally every American soldier that tries to rescue you. And those are like the four endings. Um, so I'm going to go back to the critical moment, because this is the moment that on reflection um, is genius and has changed how I approach all games forever. And that is when you voluntarily white phosphorus to civilians, even if, and you probably do know that they're civilians. Because I had a discussion with one of my friends about this, and it actually reinforced my position. Although at the time I had to think about it. I didn't have a good um, counter argument for what he said. And he said that he really didn't like the, like that as the catalytic moment for the character where you douse uh, civilians in white phosphorus, he was like, I felt like I didn't have a choice because if I wanted to engage with the medium, I had to make that choice. And it devalued all of the morality that came after that, mm. all of the moral decision-making the, like the character's slow devolution into like, I don't even want to say insanity. Um, it was more like, um, more like, uh, depravity. No. Um, like a self-aggrandizement. He was just so like, he felt like all of his decisions were inherently correct. Like they had to be mm. right. Like you're shooting Americans. And I mean, not even Americans, forget the word Americans. You're shooting friendlies. Um, you're killing civilians. Like you just kill everybody who gets in your way because you have to be right. Right. Like it's just like an inherent thing about, I mean, whatever you could, you could say it's inherent thing about whatever is that they have to be inherently right. I'm not about to make like a, like a political call or a social call on this, mm -hmm. but just as, as a video game, as you are the protagonist, you have to be making the right decisions in a first person shooter, right? That's just an inherent thing about the game. That's an inherent thing about the genre. Um, and your main character who, by the way, his name is Walker. I forgot it like a million times. <laughs> um, you play as Walker. Um, so Walker just refuses to accept this fact. But, and my, my friend was like, all of that is devalued by the fact that you must shoot the white phosphorus to continue with the story. You have to, you know, if you don't, the story, you, like the camera just hangs there forever. Like literally all action freezes, time essentially just ends until you shoot the white phosphorus round that kills all the civilians. And for a while I was like, yeah, I guess that's kind of right. You have to shoot it if you want to play the game. But there actually is another decision that you can make. And I didn't think about it until it was later revealed in an interview with one of the developers as a path that the player could take. And it was a path that I hadn't even considered could possibly exist. 
because it's never it's not a thing that you think of when you engage with a game mm-hmm. like never 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 would i have had this consideration without this like series of events and he said that one of the one of the possibilities in that scene you're hovering you got your finger on the button you can launch all the white phosphorus right now or you can just sit there but there's another option and the fact that a game developer could even think of this as just sort of like an acceptable path to take, I don't know, it kind of blows my mind. But he was like, just stop playing the game. Just do not continue to engage the medium. You are in a situation where if where if you have the knowledge, you're about to press a button, you're going to kill a bunch of civilians. If that is a morally objectionable path to you, just don't do it. Just turn the game off. And I was like, that is the dumbest, smartest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, I i can't imagine a game developer telling people not to engage the game. And to be honest, there's definitely an argument that you could make where that's just a flawed approach. That's mm-hmm. not a good approach that you should have to a game. Um. But just just because you shouldn't build it into your game doesn't mean that you shouldn't consider it. Mm. Um, there are a lot of games, and I'm specifically thinking of morality systems. There are a lot of games that have morality systems that aren't like red option, blue option. Because red option, blue option is not really a morality system. Right. Um, because, like I said, when you have red option, blue option, you're not really choosing what you think is morally correct you're choosing either like a skill tree path or an ending or something of that caliber right Mm -hmm. like like when's the last time you played bioshock and you were like i'm going to harvest the little sisters because i think it's like the morally correct line of action (laughs) (laughs) i could justify this action no, you do it because you're trying to be the bad guy. <laughs> and, like, I'm trying to remember other games that have the same thing. There's one where you play, like, an electrical-related superhero. Oh, uh, Infamous. Yes, thank you. Infamous is the, is literally one of the worst examples of this. Yes. Red option or blue option. Yeah. It's nothing to do with the morality of the situation. You're yeah. either trying to be good, you're, you're trying to get, like, the good quote ending or the bad quote ending. There's nothing to do with how you actually feel about the situation. Um, Spec Ops line is interesting because it doesn't like it doesn't award or penalize you for like if I if you're really clever and you manage to avoid killing the civilians or you you know you kill Conrad snipers instead of the men that are being tied up you don't get rewarded for that or penalized for that either like no matter what you choose it's just a it's just part of the story and then you just have to deal with it Um. so when you when you have moral decisions in games and I'm talking about like actual moral decisions in games, moral decisions, like do I kill the civilian or do I kill the soldier moral decisions? Like, um, and I'm just going to segue into it. Moral decisions like in papers, please, where you have to become corrupt. If you want to keep your family alive. Um, papers, please is like where i put 
everything that I just discussed into practice. Um, but basically, let, let me digress really quick. The lesson that should be pulled away from Spec Ops The Line, um, and this is a hard lesson to learn because I don't think... I don't think everybody, not that everybody can't apply it because they can't, but I don't think everybody wants to. Like, you don't necessarily go into a game, come across a moral decision, and you find it so reprehensible that you just stop playing the game, but still enjoy the game for what it was. I think that's a really hard area to be in. Um, just because, you know, when you buy a game, you want to, you know, you want to play it, you want to enjoy it, you want to go through it, you want to experience the whole thing. Um, but this is what brings me back to the uh, the social contract. The, the idea of the social contract with the game is that when you buy the game, you should be able to go into it, play through it, experience everything, enjoy it, complete it. But part of the social contract you should be able to make to yourself is that you should be able to go into a game and if it ask something of you that you don't think is correct either morally or for any other reason though I'm specifically angling on the moral aspect because I think that is the thing that could be most objectionable to a person to cause a person to stop playing a game um, you should be able to stop playing that game without feeling like the game has failed you or you have failed the game um, it is not the game's fault for presenting you with a morally objectionable circumstance it's probably a deliberate part of the game's fault. Um, but you also shouldn't feel at fault for deciding to stop playing a game. And again, I don't want to say, like, quit the game. Quitting implies that you're giving up. When you choose to stop playing a game, you have decided that where the game wants to take you is not somewhere you want to go. For whatever that's worth, it's kind. I, I'm hoping I'm doing a good job of explaining of this because honestly, it's hard to explain. I, I, I think I think you are. Um, but I will. I'll take it to Papers Please because Papers Please is where I first put this into practice. Papers Please is a game about doing border control, um, for a government that is obviously oppressive and, uh, like actively uh, puts down its own people. And you, but you have to work this job because it's the only way you can possibly pay for, like, keeping your family alive, staying where you live, um, that sort of thing. And as you go into the game, the morality of decisions, the decisions that you have to make become muddier and muddier as you have to consider the ramifications of letting people through who you shouldn't let through because it seems like the morally correct thing to do, um, not letting people through who could go through because it's a way to make money, um, weighing the balances of what you need, what the people that you care about need, um, what your government wants from you, and what every individual person who you encounter wants. Um, it's a really cool game, <laughs> but it's definitely not for everyone. It's very it's it's monotonous but only insofar as all of the stories of the different people that you interact with are conveyed to you solely through their passports and paperwork which is definitely a very interesting engine but also not for everybody yeah when i played papers please i at some point during papers please you are introduced 
to a um do I still have to say spoiler alert? Spoiler alert. What are you doing? Why are you still here? Did, did I not warn you enough about Spec Ops The Line? These are good games. Go play them. <sighs> These podcast people, I'm telling you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I just called out the whole audience. Um, so at some point in Papers, Please, you get introduced to a secret society whose purpose is to overthrow the government that you work for. Oh, snap. Now, there's a lot to consider about this because, yes, you could help them, but do they have your best interest at heart? And if you also, if you work with them, won't your government find out? If you don't work for them, won't your government find that out anyways? Because you have to remember, this is a government that... Um, spoiler alert for my spoiler alert, I guess. This is a government that will throw you in prison just for associating with these people. Whether or not you are friendly or not friendly with them. So, like, how do you deal with this? You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of decision making. A fair amount of it based in morals like what do you value what do you think is important um you know because if you if you decide to team up with them then you have to try to overthrow your own government without getting caught and without doing anything because at one point they ask you to kill a man and if you kill a man <laughs> you're probably going to get caught and if you get caught then it's over anyways um because above all the objectives of like like passing people through making money keeping people fed and warm, you know, watching your own back. Objective number one is don't get thrown in jail. Because if you get thrown <laughs> in jail, um, you know, so if you work with them, you might get thrown in jail. If you don't work with them, you might get thrown in jail. Whatever. Point is, in my playthrough, my only playthrough of Papers, Please, this is a game that I played. Um, they had like an open beta available as in like a Flash player or something. Mm-hmm before this actually became like a steam game. Um, so I had some experience with it. I enjoyed the storytelling through like the passports and the paperwork. I thought it was cool. So I bought the game. I played through it. I was enjoying myself. And then um, at some point, the secret society leaves some information with you. Um, and so you're just sitting on this information at your desk job. And one day you get visited by your superior. And he's like, hey, we have some we have some vague information about this secret society. We know very little about them. Uh, we think that their symbol, their insignia is this. And he shows you a very crude sketching of a matching insignia. And then he's like, if you know anything about them, you'll tell us. Correct? At this point, you have two options. And the game doesn't say, please select A or B. <laughs> but you know that you have two options. Because you have conde- you have like damning evidence sitting on your desk. Slightly obscured by like a big stamp. <laughs> and so your options are basically, he's like, if you have any evidence, you'll show it to us, right? right like there is actually like a pause and he's like yeah 
Now, you can do two things. Either one, you can do nothing, and he will leave. And you will have just lied to your boss by omission. Or two, you can give him the evidence. That's what he wants. He wants, in he wants information. You have information that you can give him. In my playthrough, I gave him the information. What do you think happened, Zane? Threw you in jail. Yes, I was immediately arrested for con for uh, consorting with uh, suspicious groups and persons. And that was the only time I've ever played that game. Because the game, that that's one of the first, like, pushing moments. Where it starts to push your morality. To event to a point where it's less about what your company, like, or yeah, your company, uh, got a little too topical. What your country <laughs> wants, or what the secret society wants, or even what you like. It's it's about what you want, right? Like, your the game is about looking out for number one. That is eventually where the morality of the game pushes you. Is forget the country, forget the secret society. You can work with them, obviously, but only insofar as they help you. All right. Um, and when I gave that piece of information to my boss and got arrested and it was game over, um, I was making a decision that basically I was unwilling to compromise my moral stance in the game. Um, now, obviously, it is just a game. I mm. can compromise my moral stance in the game and not be like a dick about it. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, everything's just pixels. But at the same time, I can also tell you that pixels give us an opportunity to explore morality organically in a way that you obviously... Like, I'm not working... Well, arguably, but I'm not working for an oppressive regime that's trying to like suppress the heck out of uh, you know its population. Um, but in that situation, the default response for me as like a person when asked to aid in a situation involving like the secret society or whatever. My default response is I have information. Here you go. Um, and I was not, it's not that I was unable, I'm obviously able. It's not even, it, or no, it is, it is. Um, it's not that I'm unable to make that decision. It's just that I'm unwilling. Like, I don't want to like, do that shifty stuff that's not who i am as a person right so that was the only time that i ever played papers please and it's not papers pleases fault for being like a morally shifty requirement game that's the point of the game it, the the point that i'm trying to make is that it's not the game's fault for trying to make me to do shifty things and it's not my fault for refusing to do them that's just that was just the narrative that's just the way the narrative played out i opted not to engage in that the game said okay then that's fine and i'm okay with that i'm not like vindictive towards the game for not allowing me to play it while still maintaining the moral high ground that's not the point of the game i like shouldn't expect that out of the game 
but you can you can come to that head and i already said i'm not and i'm gonna say it again that's not a failing on your part that's not a failing on the game's part that is an understanding of the social contract that you have made with the game that the game has provided you with an experience and you have opted to engage it only to a point I think that the ability to stop playing a game without feeling sour about it is difficult and maybe not even desirable to most people. Um, because obviously you put money into the game, you should be able to play it how you want. Um, but I think that since, given the breadth and depth of games, it's totally okay to encounter a game that asks you to make a decision and for you to just say no. Um, and if that is your story with the game, then to be honest, it's kind of a good story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, maybe it's not the story that was trying to be told, but maybe you can go play Spec Ops The Line and you can get to the point where you have to firebomb 47 people and you can just decide not to. Um, it reminds me of the very infamous No Russian. I don't remember what Modern Warfare game it was. Or it was it Call of Duty? I don't remember. Do you know No Russian, Zane? No. Okay. No Russian. Oh, oh, oh. The airport. Airport scene. Yeah. Yeah. No Russian is the Modern Warfare 2 scene. Yeah. I believe that happens right at the very beginning of the game. Somewhere early on. Um, not at the exact beginning, but like second or third mission, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And the level is about you are playing an undercover U.S. agent with a bunch of Russian extremists. You walk into an airport and just murder civilians. You just absolutely gun down civilians. That is the entire level, by the way. There's no meaningful opposition. In fact, there's no opposition. There's no threat to the player. You literally just walk in and shoot civilians. Um, I would not play that level. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to engage in, like, Call of Duty or Modern Warfare anyways, because those games aren't of any, like, interest to me. Yeah. But just, like, I wonder how Call of Duty would have shaped up if people got to know Russian and just turned the game off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't remember if it was originally in the game or if they patched it later or, or that, again, the decision was always there. But before that mission, you're told that it's going to be really awkward and, and really bad, basically. And you have the option to skip it if you so choose. I believe uh, the line is disturbing content. You're about to be shown disturbing content. Yeah. Um, and I played it. And I actually, I played it multiple times because I want to see if there's a way to change the outcome. Uh, and you can play it and not fire a single shot and let others shoot. And then I guess that kind of asks the question of like, how complacent are you? Uh, and the ending is, is still the same as always, you know? Again, the game is not really asking you. A, it's it's not giving you red or blue. 
but it mm-hmm. is asking you to make a moral decision. Yeah. Um, especially in a situation like that, doing nothing is a moral decision. Um, yeah, so I don't encounter games like that. I, actually, to the best of my knowledge, I can't actually think of another title where I like stop playing and just like where I stopped playing because it asked me to make a moral decision that I wasn't willing to make. Yeah. Um, but it's just something to keep in mind about um, why people stop playing games, you know? Yeah. It is uh, definitely something to really sit and think about um, and, and, and not to drive home any arguments or notions about individuals not being able to distinguish reality from fiction and etc. I don't want to feed any arguments um, and that whole campaign of do games you know, create violent individuals or all those individuals violent who just play video games kind of discussions. Um, but I, I do think if a game can have scenes and, and events like that and it makes you question yourself, it makes you literally stop and think and ponder on a level that you weren't expecting to have to think on, uh, I do think that's a sign of good writing, uh, you know, you know, good game development, good game design. Uh, that's actually a really good point. I'm, I I want to clarify really quick. Mm-hmm. I don't think that just because you are faced with an objectionable moral decision means that you should stop playing the game. Right. Um, but it means that you should consider why you are continuing to play. Right. Why Why are you continuing to play the game? Um. Because, like, maybe it's just that you want to enjoy the story, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I'm not about to make a judgment call on somebody. There's a reason why we play games, right? Like, I'm not about to like be in a situation where I'm in Dubai and need to. Like, <laughs> Right, like I'm armed to the teeth. Hopefully not. (laughs) Or you know, like I'm working like border patrol. Um, Build that wall, Andrew. Build. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, Batman. Batman. (laughs) He's dead. (laughs) He's dead, Jim. Um. Be aware of why you're doing what you're doing. And don't be afraid to decide to stop engaging in the medium. Yeah. If, if you think that that is the correct course of action. If there's you know, any... like, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, Darkest mm-hmm. Dungeon is about like throwing people into high-stress situations, <laughs> like mentally breaking them and then throwing them out of the streets. I have done this, and I have not felt bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, like... It's not that I haven't thought about like what's happening. I just like I accept that part of the game, you know. But if you were to play Darkest Dungeon and you realize that people were like getting literally stressed out, you could you might choose as a result to stop playing the game, right? And you shouldn't feel bad about that. Um. I'm sure that there will be other games in the future that have, like, I mean, controversial content is just, like, a part of, um, you know, the games industry. 
Um, I would say art industry in general. That's actually very true, but that's a whole other that is a, can of worms. A, <laughs> that's not another can of worms. That is an additional can of worms surrounding <laughs> this worm can. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I would say if, if there's anything that I kind of pulled from, uh, you know, your thought process uh, and explanation and, and even, I guess, flow of, of thinking, uh, it, it would just also to be just if you make a decision in the game, you cannot blame the game for you making that decision. Uh, I, I think that's one of the earliest kind of points that I, I, I kind of pulled out of um, your, your story, your experience and talking with your friend. Um Whereas, and I, I might I might now be projecting my own personal views and things when it comes to society and people in general, where it's like you are a functioning human being, you are playing this game, you choose to play this game, and you know you have the choice to stop. Uh, if you continue forward and you don't know why that that, that reason is, and you go, the game made me do it. No, the, the the game didn't. The game can't make you do anything. It's it's a game. Yeah. Yes. If you think something is objectionable, you you may choose to stop at any time, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't seem like there. The game doesn't need to offer you the option to say no more. Um, and I can understand my friend's disappointment. He really wanted to play the game. Um, but he didn't feel like. He didn't feel like the choice that the character made was genuine mm-hmm. because he was compelled into it. But you know what? This is actually this is like this is the thesis right here. <laughs> he didn't he didn't like the the route that the game took because he felt like he didn't have a choice. That's exactly what Walker thought. It is exactly the feeling that the protagonist had. Yeah actually genius actually oh. genius I'm, I'm i'm gonna i'm gonna play this game now i i i i looked it up on steam it's, it's like incredible. 20 bucks yeah actually I don't know. um it's, it's just bucks. it's a it's a game where the protagonist doesn't see any other way forward than to do what he has to do and that makes him the protagonist but you know he's not and when you make a decision for the protagonist just because you need to keep going, that's exactly what the protagonist is doing. You are perfectly in the protagonist's headset. Like, Aaron's mindset. Headset is the, the thing on your ears. <laughs> good design, man. Good good design and, and just good... Actually genius. Yeah. Um, so, if you make... If you have to make a bad choice in a game because the game compels you to make the bad choice you can either accept that you are exact you are square in the protagonist's shoes or you can say I'm not having it and you can turn the game off and in a way that makes you better than the protagonist um if i could give a quick message to console developers and game developers for new consoles uh, it'd be it'd be kind of cool to have hidden trophies and hidden achievements where if you're if you're put in a situation like that that's not clear you know and the user decides to turn the game off and they get a, a little achievement that's like hidden and secret that only they can see until like maybe a year after the game releases uh, for making a decision like that 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 that'd be kind of cool and it could kind of expand on the whole meta 
uh, of uh, gaming in general. Give him the old Stanley parable. <laughs> I forget the game existed, actually. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, man. Um, we're now approaching uh, an hour, 45 minutes. Um, is there anything you want to wrap up or finish off with the, th- the thesis? Um, no, I've, I've said my piece. Uh, don't be afraid to turn off your games. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make you any worse for the story. It doesn't make any, the story any worse for you. In fact, it makes the story really cool. But don't, don't like just turn off games so you can be like, hey, I shut off Stardew Valley because I don't like farms. <laughs> Slap you. No one likes a clout chaser. I think that's what the kids are calling it nowadays. <laughs> don't judge me, man. But no, everybody, that was uh, Andy Pyrana Baldwin. Um, great, a, a great delve into the mind and, and, and mindset concept and thinking for a project like Spec Ops Salon. Uh, I, I can't actually make it. A, hmm? Go play it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, can't. I've just spoiled the game to you, but. Yeah. And, and, and again, there's a whole conversation about the experience and, and spoilings, but I, 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 I think still going in, I can pull something from it. So I can't I promise you of any moral misgivings for launching white phosphorus of people. <laughs> Just go play the game. <laughs> so if, 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 and when I do buy this game and play it, I will probably do a stream session of it or a recording session of it. Um, the final topic for today's episode will, uh, be a part of the episode, but I will also specifically cut out that section and have it be its own thing. And I'll, I'll probably even put it on YouTube. Andy, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Cause I, I honestly think that's a, a great conversation, a great discussion, a great uh, mind uh, delve into the whole thought process of that is, it's, it's the only thing that, you know, as you explained that I, that I could personally relate to is from uh, the elder scrolls for oblivion, in the not 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 the champions uh uh no the fighter fighters guild where you get you know hooked on uh the hiss drug and you go to wipe out a uh a town that has supposedly been invaded by goblins and you go there and you see goblins but if you if you're actually uh savvy you notice the goblins aren't attacking anybody they're just running around in circles screaming and you you know you you kill them uh, and then your character blacks out and then when you wake up you find out the hiss Basically, made you uh, susceptible to uh, 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 like you know orders and directions, and basically anyone could whisper anything in your ear, and you basically just wiped out an entire village uh, at behest of um, some corrupt official in the the fighters guild. And so that I mean, it, it's not the same powerful moment or done in the same genius way as what you portrayed through Spec Ops: The Line, but that's the only thing that I could personally connect to. Um, and I remember that experience left uh, a lasting impression on me. And it, it was one of the reasons why I started to get into more role-playing and RPG games. Um, so I, I like the conversation. I, I think it's important, uh, to say the least, I, I honestly do, to isolate and showcase that conversation as is, uh, as well as you know with the entire episode today. So if you are a listener who's gotten through, you know, more than an hour and 30 minutes of today's special episode, I thank you. I hope you truly enjoyed it. It's always a pleasure when we have Andy co-hosting, speaking about the game industry, art as a, as a whole, and just generally uh, a great mind to pick. Um, 
So I've been Zane Zanakami Blaylock, uh, joined with co-host Andy Parana Baldwin. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Uh, and the special message that I have at the end is we are preparing to reformat the podcast. Uh, and you'll see it as incremental changes per episode going into the future. The new schedule is we're going to shoot for uh, two sessions a month, one with uh, uh, Lewis at Michigan with the K, Sandoval, and one with Andy Parana Baldwin. Uh, and hopefully that'll shine in a higher quality production, a higher quality conversation, and give us more time to kind of flex our topics to have more of an open conversation like this. But I digress. We'll see you in the next episode. If you have any comments, concerns, you can find us on Twitter at EOZ After Dark, or you can email us at afterdark at essencesin.org. And we do have a Discord that is publicly joinable, which you can find uh, through our Twitter page, podcast page, and etc. So, thank you all for listening. We'll see you in the next episode of After Dark. Essence of Zen After Dark is a podcast made for and by geeks and nerds for all things geeks and nerd culture. The intro and outro songs were provided by Pro Leader, who you can find their music at proleader.bandcamp.com. That's P-R-O-L-E-T-E-R dot bandcamp, one word, dot com. Thank you.